to Don't Bottle That Shit with Olivia Sergei. Today, I have my lovely friend Rosie on, who is a mental health advocate and YouTuber and an ambassador for Beat the Eating Disorder Charity. Rosie has had anorexia and um, some other mental health um, conditions throughout her life. And she's kindly coming on today to talk to us all about them and help us gain a better understanding of everything she's sort of been through. So- Hi. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So why don't you um, start by telling us a bit about your mental health kind of journey? So where to start? I think I started battling mental health as a child. So around, I'd say probably eight um, was the kind of turning point, I guess. Um, I've had, you know, the perfect family, you know, a really good upbringing, but I just suddenly happened to start having really big issues with food. And that has like suffering with anorexia has probably been my main issue throughout the years. Um, it's just a really horrible, horrible eating disorder, which is focused mainly about weight and calories on the outside, but it's more about control and, you know, all your feelings and emotions on the inside. But I would say I probably started suffering when I was eight. However, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 12 because no one wants to diagnose an eight-year-old with a mental health issue because there was just such stigma with that, that, children have to have you know the perfect happy um you know lives and all those attitudes towards mental health like mental health can't mental health problems can't affect children but it happened to me um and then I guess throughout the years I developed anxiety mainly in the form of panic attacks you know I'm really outwardly extroverted and confident person yet I could just panic at being stressed but it's not just the little stresses, you know, it's huge stresses to me. And I get all the physical symptoms um, that have led me to go into A&E because when, we, when you have panic attacks, you genuinely think that you're going to die. And it's awful with the heart palpitations and all that jazz that comes along with it. Um, I suffered depression um, quite badly, I would say. Um, and it's not just not getting out of bed. You can be such a high functioning person with you know a depressive illness and everything you know everything can outwardly seem so okay but internally you feel like you're crumbling and you know even if you do go to work it just it's hard to cope with inside because a lot of people don't let it in and I know let it like a lot of people don't let mm, don't know how to say it a lot of people don't give away that they do have mental health issues and for me for such a long time I hid them from quite a lot of people and so outwardly I was this perfectionistic person where I think that was just a symptom of my mental health problems um I would say I didn't really start recovery until I was probably about 16 17 when I actually got sent to hospital um sectioned mainly for my eating disorder um because it just got to a really critical level not just in terms of weight but just in terms of my overall mental health because it just I just hit rock bottom and I managed to pick myself up for a bit and I think it's really important to talk about relapses because I did relapse and end up in hospital again um, and that was a horrific time in my life but one that genuinely I think saved my life and slowly I have gotten better and got to a really stable point in my life where I do consider myself 
fairly free from my eating disorder in particular. I still do have rough days, but there comes to but you come to a point where you can just ignore everything that you know your head's telling you and what mental you know what mental illnesses the symptoms that they bring on. Like there will be days where I randomly have a panic attack out of nowhere for months or have a disordered thought about food, but I try go against it as much as I can. And for me, that's okay right now. That I would love to be able to say that you know I would never hear a bad thought in my head, but that just wouldn't be true. And I, 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 I yeah. think that's kind of the goal of recovery, though, is that you just you have these thoughts and you don't respond to them. Like my therapist always used to tell me off for saying that I never wanted to get these thoughts again, like intrusive thoughts. Obviously, I mine are different to yours because um, of my OCD. My therapist always used to say like, well, you're going to have them again, but it's how you respond to them. And that's kind of how you like if you just get intrusive thoughts and kind of ignore them and cannot can go about your daily life without, you know, engaging in rituals, engaging in, um, you know, toxic behaviors like eating disorder behaviors and stuff then you are essentially you know living alongside that disorder whilst being recovered from it at the same time it's a really weird complex concept isn't it yeah no I completely agree with that and I would genuinely say like now I can do everything that I've ever wanted to do I can go traveling and I've got a job working in mental health and it's just amazing to actually know that you're standing on your two feet on your own and doing all these amazing things that you once didn't think you would be doing and I guess that's the current place I'm in like yes living alongside it because I'm not gonna lie I do get disordered thoughts now and again but you're able to become stronger and actually beat them and you know push them away sometimes and yeah there are bad days sometimes but genuinely I definitely think I'm a lot better than I have been yeah it's so nice to hear obviously from a friendship point of view but also as a so like I I massively look up to you obviously in terms of mental health and um I just think you're such a like success story over like of someone who's you know quite categorically hit rock bottom you know you've been sectioned you've had this and that happened to you and each time you've picked yourself back up and you're now like working to help other people with mental health conditions, which is just like you have come full circle, which is just amazing. And that's part of the reason I asked you on my podcast, because I do think you're one of the most inspiring people I know in my life. And um, I really want listeners to be able to, you know, engage with that and listen to what you have to say about um, everything you've sort of been through. Oh, Liv, you're ever so lovely. I was also going to ask, like, I think there's a massive, massive stigma around um, eating disorders being just to do with weight and calories and, you know, outward appearance. And in my view, like, I don't think that's um, I don't think that's the full extent of what an eating disorder is. And I know that you don't think that um, what sort of what sort of stigmas would you kind of like to debunk about eating disorders? I guess there are so many. And I think the stigmas are associated with a lot of the myths that there are as well so you touched upon a huge one that eating disorders aren't about weight like I yes categorically I was at my worst when I was sectioned in a hospital bed but it was so much harder to me to fight the honest when I was a healthier weight um that was probably when mentally I was at my worst um because physically and mentally are definitely different points when it comes to an eating disorder I would also like to say that there are so many different types of eating disorders. Um, binge eating disorder is one of the most common eating disorders, whereas you mainly hear about anorexia and bulimia. But binge eating disorders categor- categorically affects more people. Furthermore, it's not just a female white girl disease. I've had that so often and eating disorders can literally affect anyone. I now work in mental health 
services and I see people who are 70 come into our services and people who are young yeah like it literally can affect anyone male or female you know any age any race any gender anyone can have an eating disorder and it's not just the sufferer who's affected by it family members are too and it's horrific for family members to see as well and so I guess those are the kind of main myths are a huge overview but yeah it's not just the illness you see and it's not just you know a skeletal girl who's suffering from it It could be anyone at any age and any way it's literally a mental illness and it's the mental illness with the highest you know morbidity for any mental illness which is horrific to say that one in five people do die from anorexia and me I've personally known people who have died from it and it is just an awful condition which I don't think people understand a lot because it's just associated with dieting and all those kind of things are associated with that but it is so much more than a diet it's an actual illness just like any other exactly exactly I think with um, mental health conditions like because they're invisible people do kind of presume that no one else has them or is struggling and stuff and I think it's massively massively an issue for boys in terms that they're not taught to talk about their feelings and um they're taught that that's like weak and you know all of the um all of the social norms associated with that there's there's more stigma around men having eating disorders and I think they they might be a bit embarrassed about you know openly saying yeah I've got an eating disorder um because it's it is associated with sort of a girly middle class sort of yeah no I agree and I think it's even reflected in the NHS mental health services because so many wards like the ward I was on are just female only and there are wards which just have you know have so many barriers to males getting treatment as well which really shouldn't be the case um so I was also going to ask um what what do you think started like your issues with like um food or body image or um whatever it was that kind of started your um intrusive uh dieting thoughts when you were like younger i have no idea i genuinely don't know it is weird how some people's brains just do go to um you know wacky shit (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) um I suppose it's kind of weird that my brain as soon as I started getting stressed when I was a child as well it sort of went to everyone's gonna die and like you have to go and <laughs> tap loads of shit like it's, it is weird isn't it how your brain goes to that. yeah like go and do all of these rituals and behaviors and then yours was like make sure you don't eat unless because because you know otherwise I don't know you're gonna get fat <laughs> yeah it is weird how like the brain just does come up with different anxieties when you're stressing about other things um yeah do you think you had like problems with body image before I don't think I do actually like ever like I get the whole like even when I was ill I saw myself as ill I just think it's bloody odd it is strange isn't it well I suppose for you your disorder was much more about you know a form of control I suppose because it was paired with anxiety or something yeah um because yeah I never like I always thought I was fat and all that jazz. Yeah. When I wasn't, but I never took too much focus on it. I just had such control over food. I am, I genuinely have no idea. I think also like for for um for all the listeners, I just want to describe this thing that you did with Beat Charity last year that I thought was amazing. 
did you come up with that idea to stand there in like you know skimpy um clothes and have people write on you or was that like a different was that someone else or so one of my friends from Beat Society um, saw a YouTube video about someone doing it. I think it was in New York. And we were just joking around. We were like, hey, we should so do that. Um, and then we were like, why not actually do that? And then we said we have to post it on our Facebook right now. Otherwise, we are just going to chicken out. And like the night before, like I could just feel all of us text each other that like we were going to chicken out. Plus, it was blimmin cold it was yeah, like February oh or March or whatever it was it was so cold but basically there was four of us and we all just wore, wore like a bra and shorts and then got people to write body positive messages about themselves but on our body or about us it was just you know whatever they kind of wanted to write that was like body positive and we tried to raise money for a beat which we did succeed at I can't remember how much we raised but it was over a hundred pounds in the amazing. end of the day yeah and it was just a really really good and fun event and it just felt so like powerful and the fact that we were all different body shapes and sizes and you know we all are volunteers for beat which is an eating sort of charity and we just all just wanted to do what we could and I really want to make it a yearly thing that we do so depending on how COVID's going um hopefully we'll be able to do something like that um otherwise we can yeah um we could try to do it on social media somehow yeah. but we shall but yeah so we'll try to do it on social media somehow and otherwise we'll just see what happens but yeah it was such an amazing amazing event and there's so many more like it now there's the we are real catwalk or something like that which does um it's like a nude catwalk for every single body shape and so those volunteers can just get involved with it which happens in London and New York every year and it's just really good to see those kind of body positive events going on. Yeah, it's so, so nice. I know now with like Instagram and things, like I think I do follow like quite a lot of body confidence, body positive advocates. But I can imagine it can be a really toxic place if you're not following like those sort of people. And I, I know that when I was younger, you know, like skinny was kind of the default. And I think that did massively start my sort of body image issues like with how I like see my body how I um how I I used to like extreme diet when I was younger and I do think that that did massively start it um I also think that with sort of eating disorders how how they are stigmatized in um you know being quite like a middle class you know like whatever like girly thing I think it not more common in that sort of um demographic but I think it's probably more seen in that demographic like from external points of view because you have everyone you know you go to lunch with everyone in your class and like you know and I think if everyone around you is sort of skinny at school and like you're getting fed this sort of you know you're very very impressionable at that age you probably are more likely to struggle with body image issues not eating disorders but definitely body image issues at that at that time in your life yeah definitely I agree like I know we both went to all girls schools which yeah. I don't think helped anything because like when it was my time for prom it was all about prom diets and all that talk and it was horrific to be have that be such a focus mm-hmm. so my friends were amazing and my biggest support and we went to McDonald's you know in the morning before prom because they were just there like we don't care about this kind of that's jazz because so nice. we just care about being you know healthy and happy and that's kind of the you know the message I kind of want to give 
across that life is just not all about you know skipping your breakfast no, and all that jazz that people convince you to do because I can find like sitting just at lunch when I was younger I just find toxic things were being mm. said by such young people and working with children nowadays you know it's awful how people view their bodies and how people view food and it's not helped by government initiatives no. hips to tackle obesity which are just badly Far worded <laughs> um yeah um uh, so that doesn't help anything but I genuinely think people just embrace their differences and their bodies and their sizes you know that's what actual health is it's not you know a one-size-fits-all approach because people are genuinely just built differently yeah of course and also like um I follow a lot of um like body positive advocates that are all are like I'm fat and I'm beautiful and I think that's so important and I remember I think I think my my sort of body image problems were kind of catapulted by this sort of I, I got told that someone at school had like said I was fat or whatever and I that that's when I started getting social anxiety as well because I didn't want to be judged as like fat I started obsessing over exercising because I wanted to make sure no one could call me fat as if fat is the worst thing in the world to be called like I'd much rather be fat and happy than skinny and miserable I just think it's become such a dirty word that people are like afraid of and I think it's there's such a lot of power in someone saying yeah I'm fat and I'm beautiful and um I don't know that just really felt quite powerful for me to read the other day and I think also with your um with that beat thing that you did the the standing there with your in your bra and shorts I think that's that that was really empowering for you guys but it was also really empowering for other people to see as well like in a society that where people are so insecure about their bodies especially like from our generation from like growing up in sort of you know you go right you go down the um supermarket aisles and you see these celebrities bodies being compared in these magazines and oh someone's put on a few pounds best and worst bikini bodies all of that shit I think it it's just so nice to see normal bodies represented in society and I think that would have helped way more people than you would even know or be aware of Oh, thank you, Liv. I do really appreciate that. And we did get a lot of messages um, from people saying that that really helped or, you know, it made people talk about the fact that, you know, we were all different sizes. And I just think that's really a good message to have. And I do think in the future, if we do do it, I will want to have a lot more people do it. Because, you know, there is just such a diversity of body types and, you know, self-image you know, complexes that I do think we need to represent and talk about because people can just feel so trapped in the body that you have. But in the end of the day, what I've learned is that, you know, your body is your home and you need to appreciate it. You need to nourish it and look after it because it is the only one you're going to get. And, you know, if you don't accept it, you can be stuck in this tunnel of, you know, self-torture, basically. And you just kind of have to slowly learn that, you know, your body is absolutely amazing. So when I had really bad days with my body, I'd be like, no, because my arms can, you know, lift up my cats to cuddle them. My legs allow me to go on a run and all of those kind of different things. Yeah, I think that, you know, the whole thing with body image these days is that representation matters. And, you know, everything you do on your Instagram, on your YouTube, on your every sort of platform you put out there, like it's always you know nice comforting things to read you focus a lot on um also like not being your most productive self all the time and you know the importance of rest the importance of this and that and 
I think that I, I find that really comforting sometimes because I think in in this sort of society where we are obsessed with being productive all the time, our worth is, you know, based off of how much have you done today, how much weight are you losing, how much this and that, all those toxic things that it is so nice to, you know, see someone put a message out there that says, you know, you don't have to be productive all the time. Yeah, and I think that's something I've hugely struggled with in the past. You know, I think being a kind of workaholic has been secondhand to my eating disorder because it's just something else to focus on. And, you know, I used to study ridiculous times, you know, into the middle of the night, waking up ridiculously early. And I never allowed myself to rest because I felt like I didn't deserve it. So I think now that I've got a better like relationship with myself, I do know I work a lot and I think that's kind of one of my personality traits is um you know I, I'm always working but in a good way you know I'm not pushing myself to the extremes I'm just I take days off when I don't feel like going into work I, you know I take mental health days and I think that is so important to talk about and it's so important to talk about the fact that you know I didn't get up till 2 p.m today because I was just on my phone scrolling Instagram you know that kind of jazz because it's so real and people just post the good things on Instagram you know post the really beautiful photos when you know that's not themselves they probably edited that or you know did hours of makeup and you know I've never really worn makeup in my life and I just don't see the need to because I think it's so much more better being natural and posting you know the before pick you know rather than the after pick because otherwise you know what expectations are you giving out to other people yeah that's so nice I know I'm definitely guilty of that like when I post Instagram photos I'll be like sat in my bed like the night the day after a night out looking absolutely gross posting this photo of me looking like nicer on the night and yeah it's just it is very very toxic and I do need to get move away from doing that um I think in a society where we are kind of especially as young girls sort of taught that our looks our attractiveness is kind of the most important thing about us I think that does develop a very like kind of toxic um environment and culture around Instagram um in particular so that's why it's so so good to see people you know sharing you know not their best selves best selves in in quotation marks obviously um you know hey I didn't I didn't wake up until 3 p.m I've been in bed like not showered today blah 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 um it's there is massive comfort in that because everyone does it sometimes everyone even those people you know even those celebrities like um let's say oh yeah I get up at 4 a.m to work out blah 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 they definitely don't it's just absolute it's just not real (laughs) I've never read such big bullshit in my life (laughs) You know, and especially being a YouTuber, I know that the amount of things you edit out from your day, like I've not filmed a vlog, you know, in so long, because I'm just like, this is going to be boring. And I'm like, no, Rosie, you know, life is sometimes boring, you know, share those boring moments, uh, because that's what's real. And I think people just, you know, focus on the good days. And I always want to film when it's, you know, a good day. But I think it's important to also mention and raise awareness of the bad days, because, you know, they happen to everyone exactly and that's why like in your instagram is just so real you know it's not it's not all oh this is me recovering it's hey this happened today and i felt shit hey i've had a bit of a relapse today hey this and that happened and it's it's just normalizing you know feeling like shit some of the time is just so important especially like body image struggles i think because pretty much every single person i know 
struggles has struggled or does struggle with body image issues um and i think you're probably the 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 person in my life that's got the healthiest relationship with food um because you've been through so much like i even hear like you know people our parents age being like oh you know it's naughty but and it's that whole like looking at food as if some things are naughty some things are good like all that bullshit that you just hear so much of in the media and yeah I guess it's (laughs) I guess it's because I guess I've learned the appreciation of food just because I do think food is medicine and I do think food I've learned to associate more with memories such as last night me and my family had a pizza night and that wasn't focused on the pizza you know and the fear about that kind of stuff it was associated with you know me and my sister you know making ridiculous pizzas and them calling out my bad topping choice of olives and pineapple every time um, I think that's excellent topping choice stuff like that makes <laughs> thank you yeah but I think that is just so much more important than you know eating the same bowl of cornflakes you know every morning like I am famous for eating the most random foods at breakfast you know like a full plate of lasagna and risotto and that kind of jazz um just because you know food has so many societal expectations but I do think food is you know it's an experience that people should nourish and use all the best so if you want to make a full blown lasagna at 8am you know why not do it you know food is a gateway to experiences and you know even if it's not just about the food like even if you're not having some fancy four course dinner with your flatmates or you know family it's about you know allowing yourself to do things because you do need energy to carry it out so like I have breakfast so I can go to work and you know, having that kind of routine of all those different things that I know I associate food with now rather than all the negatives. It just makes it so much easier in terms of my head, in terms of rationalizing it. That's so, so nice. Did you, um, so for those that don't know, um, Rosie went on kind of a two-year gap year and, um, and obviously that's a far cry from someone that was, you know, like struggling to eat at some point in their life. Um, did you like have like worries before you went about like I don't know like possible relapsing possible I don't know did you have any like real worries that stuck with you that sort of tried to prevent you from going yeah definitely like the amount of times I um, almost sent emails to cancel my flights and you know I had emergency plans in place and one trip around Europe my therapist texted me most days you know asking you know are you okay and all that jazz because it was a huge thing to go from it like when I went on a school trip around Devon I even I packed every single food item I would bring down to the you know innocent smoothie carton for snack and I had labeled it all and suddenly going you know off to live in Cambodia you know was a little bit different um uh, so yeah I had you know a huge fear about that and I wouldn't say it was easier easy and there were awful times that you just have to laugh at now um because that's the only way to kind of cope with them but yeah it was probably my biggest challenge so far because for about I'd say almost a year I ate out every single meal breakfast lunch and dinner when I couldn't even face going into an Indian restaurant you know in London and going just to you know live in Cambodia and it was just insane and petrifying but it made me feel so alive because I really knew that I was on my own because I went traveling solo and it made like no one would know that you know I had any issues with food but I really felt very empowering to go and face it and I do think that's where the majority of my 
real life recovery happened because you know one night I would be climbing up a volcano in the middle of the night so I had to have snacks for that and you know having a snack at three in the morning to like my irrational brain would be like what on earth are you doing Rosie you know that is insane but it allowed me to experience sunrise when I finally got to the top and it just it made it worth it and made me really acknowledge how food is so precious and amazing and yeah it was just it was so tough and there were really hard moments but definitely worth it 100% worth it but if you are considering going traveling with an eating disorder I'd definitely wait to a point where you really know that you want to get better and you have to immerse yourself in it otherwise you have to fly home that is you know my biggest advice and there was times when you know I did fly home early and from different trips because I was you know facing you know really tough times but yeah I would definitely recommend biting the bullet and going for it because they always say you know if you haven't tried recovery fully then you know if you're if you're fully trying it then you are going to get better and if you're not getting better then tough but are you really trying you know because you have to realize you know whether you actually want it or not and I say that to you know my patients all the time is that recovery is so hard but you will see that it's worth it um you just have to put all the effort in yeah exactly I mean um you know it's it's so worth it like I also think that those experiences are even more fulfilling because at one point you just never even dreamed that they would happen like when I went traveling I was literally like how am I here like last year I was literally on a sofa and I couldn't get off it and now I'm like in New Zealand or whatever doing a bungee jump like it's just it does make you have like a I think it makes you have a bigger um feeling of like pride in yourself and happiness when things do actually finally happen and they do start working out for you yeah definitely like I read a really good book by Portia Jorossi about it and she, and she faced anorexia and she wrote spoiler alert she wrote at the end of the book that like looking back on her wedding day like when she was you know marrying Ellen DeGeneres made her realize that you know wow she's got better and she's so appreciative for all the hard times she's faced and I feel like that was me traveling you know like at one point I wasn't allowed in the bathroom on my own for about four months you know and now I'm you know I'm living in Malaysia and you know Singapore and that kind of jazz um so it really makes you appreciative for life and the experiences you've had. Yeah. And I think if anyone is struggling with an eating disorder, like you are such a good person to look to and, and, you know, you really prove like things can get better if you want them to, if you, if you have the right help, if you have the, you know, right um, people around you, things can get better and they will because look at you. <laughs> you Thank know? you. Um, is there anything sort of you would like to say before we end the sort of chatty interview type thing yeah so I just kind of wanted to link some resources out there because with an eating disorder you can't do it alone I know your head probably thinks you can but you genuinely can't you know I've tried doing it on my own you just don't do it you know <laughs> just get some help so beat is out there like Liv mentioned earlier I am a beat young ambassador which means I do go around the country telling my story but the great thing about beat is that because ink disorders do have such a long waiting list of times beat can give you help on the day they've got daily helplines open every single day they've got support groups for carers support groups for sufferers they don't just focus on anorexia and bulimia but all the different um, you know, eating disorders, they've got so many amazing resources and it's completely free. You know, you can get help on the day that you're suffering from and they've got 
you know, a helpline that, you know, you can access services as well through them, which is amazing and be referred to people in your area, like that trained therapists who are able to help and, you know, on your price range if you're going to go privately. But also what I want to say is that, you know, keep going to your GP if you're being denied help because people just see weight as a barrier to treatment and say they can't get help but I've managed to get help at a healthy weight before and you know it is possible so keep going you know just make a nuisance of yourself (laughs) yeah just yeah just keep sitting there and you know the GP waiting room and say no I'm not leaving until I get help because it's so worth it and you can do it and it's a really long recovery time but definitely worth it well it's been so so lovely having you on my podcast this um this episode where can listeners find you if they want to um if they want to follow your journey see your amazing instagram posts that i've already referenced um watch your youtube videos etc where can people find you so my instagram is at its.rosie.elizabeth and my youtube is rosie elizabeth but they're all kind of linked together if you find one you'll be able to find the other um yeah that's kind of where i post i try post daily but you know life happens sometimes too and you have to live in the moment but that's mainly where i am and thank you Liv, for having and thank you Liv, for having me it's been an honor you know who would have thought two flatmates who once lived 600 meters away from each other and didn't know <laughs> we'd be here <laughs> yeah me and rosie um shared a, shared a flat in first year at uni and we um we lived on basically the same road at home and we'd never met each other before so, so it's so weird <laughs> Um, I'm going to link Rosie's Instagram like put that at in the description of this podcast so if you didn't you know catch that it will be in there Um, and yeah thank you so much for listening you can follow my sort of whatever journey whatever you want to call it on um, my Instagram at live.ing with OCD and yeah thank you so much for listening